from GayBC, this is the Happy Hour with your hosts, Richie Roy, Chick Maxson, and Johnny Mack. Your source for conversation, current events, culture, and all things LGBTQ. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Happy Hour. Hello. Um, hope you're having... Hope you're having a good Thursday so far. We are here uh, this evening with uh, my intrepid co-host, Johnny Mack. Johnny. Is, is that what I am? Doing? I'm intrepid? You're intrepid, yes. I've, I've seen uh, an aircraft carrier called intrepid, but I didn't know that I was intrepid. Yeah, I think you are. Okay. And And I have to say... Um, that this evening, um, for those who are listening live uh, to the show in real time, thank you for listening. I know that there's some other programming going on at this very moment that is pretty salient and exciting. So <laughs> if you're listening in, thank you uh, for doing so live. Um, yeah, it's not, going- every, it's not every day or every life that you get to be on the air at the same time as the president or former president of the United States is being booked into jail and having his fingerprints and mugshot taken. Yeah, exactly. So that is, that is what is happening right now. I know, um, I saw some little bits and pieces of CNN doing their classic wall to wall coverage, um, where they just show the same piece of footage looped on, you know, sort of endlessly while they vamp for a while. But, um, yeah, that's going on tonight. Um, and in general, you know, what was that? I said fun in the 404. Fun in the 404. Yeah. And um, w- one thing we will not be talking about this evening, although it did happen this week, is um, the Republican field, minus a certain uh, member of that field, uh, had a debate recently. Um, and, uh, you know, that stuff is all kind of starting to ramp up. At, at, at some point, I'll start paying attention. But right now, it just, it just makes me feel agitated. So yeah. I just try to tune it out. I couldn't get into watching that i was like i'm not going to vote for any of them anyway so why would i tune in you know you're you're not putting a nikki haley sign in your front yard i'm not they're all various flavors of mega (laughs) so it just it doesn't fly with me um even with asa hutchinson's and uh and chris christie uh you know i they're both uh sensible when it comes to some of that stuff but but yet they still have a lot of machinations of the past and and people who do not believe in freedom and equality for all. So not going to waste my time with it. You know, those are hours you're not going to get back in your life. But we do hope to enrich your life with the couple of hours that we spend with you over the next uh, several minutes and... If you're listening to us as an on-demand podcast, uh, which we appreciate as well, thank you for having made the choice. Remember that you can subscribe to this podcast through whatever uh, podcasting service you happen to be or portal that you happen to be listening to us on. Uh, Although, as I think we talked about last week, uh, like three-quarters of our audience listens through Apple Podcasts. So thank you for being with us. But exactly. We love it when you can be here live because why? Because you can pick up the phone and call in and you can bitch and moan and laugh and and have a good time with us interacting with us live at 
877-677-0111. And that phone number, if you ever forget it, is on the gaybc.com homepage with a description of this very program. So we, we hope that you will. We're going to, you know, thing is, is this is the happy hour. It doesn't mean that everything we talk about is always going to be happy. We try to have a nice, fair mix of the two, of fun and games and, you know, serious and, you know, just lifestyle stuff. But from time to time, we are inundated with stories that have happened over the course of the past week or things that are coming up in the near future that we're going to talk about that are not the most pleasant. But that brings us to the point, the other point of having a happy hour, which is, uh, and tonight you might want to pour yourself a double because (laughs) we have some things that are really not fantastic to talk about. We'd really like to hear your points of view and your thoughts about these things and, and how, how we move forward. Yeah. So the first one in this story, um, it's just, it's, it's a really terrible story. Um, in so many regards, um, Laura Carlton, who is a 66 year old, uh, business owner, LGBTQ ally and mother of nine was killed last week, um, by a 27 year old man who, uh, he complained about the pride flag flying in front of her California business. Um, and she basically said, pound sand, sorry. Um, and in fact, this isn't the first time that she stood up for the pride flag. She, you know, every time her flag, the flag in front of her shop was taken down, she replaced it with a bigger one. And um, in this particular instance, this uh, gentleman, or not even gentleman, this awful person, Travis Ikaguchi, um, this 27-year-old, um, came back to the shop and killed her um, because uh, of his extremely radical and radicalized, I would say, anti-LGBTQ uh, and anti-sort of, you know, woman stances. Um, it turns out after the fact, you know, going through uh, – his social media and stuff. He's been very active, apparently, uh, or allegedly, on Twitter and Gab. Gab, which is like a conservative kind of social media page, um, about how he feels that you know basically gay people need to be taken out. That you know that they that there's no place for them in this world. You know he's a hyper hyper. He was hyper Christian. He was killed, um, you know, in the manhunt afterward. But was super Christian super anti-gay sort of fix sort of fixatedly anti-gay and um you know i i think it's such a tragic story you know people have been coming out and you just you read the stories about laura carlton and she was just this sort of pillar of the community a beloved person um you know really generous with her time and her energy um and just absolutely beloved um and and a staunch ally of the lgbtq community and for her life to be extinguished by this absolute bigot who again I say radicalized because he you know he he was active on this right wing anti gay anti trans twitter and got ginned up into thinking you know all kinds of things about pedophilia and whatever else and to him the pride flag because it's been stoked into being this symbol of you know of 
pedophilia and evil by you know people who are on the right um you know they basically directly are i think um to blame for someone getting radicalized to the point of killing a person because they had a pride flag in front of their business yeah it, you know a lot of people think well you know california is very liberal they don't have those kinds of problems there and there are many places that are very liberal um but there are still pockets throughout this, the, the golden state that are not so golden. And um, unfortunately, this happened in an area that is largely conservative, but still a lot of open-minded arts community type people who live in the Lake Arrowhead area. Um, and, you know, it only takes one. But to me, one of the things that came out to me is because some of his uh comments and you know his beliefs have been well documented through his social media behavior and other things that he's done in public it bothers me because he absolutely would have been somebody that could have been looked at in such a way as to not allow him to purchase firearms if we had adequate red flag laws in place now you work as an attorney in your county in new york richie and Maybe you could give some uh, background on that because I think, you know, you've had to deal with people who are um, not likely to behave uh, in a way that, you know, we expect people in our communities to behave and lawfully be able to possess firearms. Have you had to take any anybody's guns away from them? Right. So, yeah, it's a good point. Um, and different states have different laws. Um you know, in New York State, uh, you know the 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 red flag laws. It's sort of colloquially called is also um, the the term that's used as an ERPO, an extreme risk protection protective order. And what happens there is, um, and you know, there have been instances where, let's say, someone posts, uh, you know, on Facebook that they are, you know, actively contemplating harm to themselves or others. And someone reports it to, let's say, the police, mm -hmm. um, you know, the the police can go and investigate. And depending on what, you know, what they find out, they can seek, you know, an, an ERPO, a red flag law, you know, determination. And what happens then is, um, you know, there's a there's a the person firearms are seized and there's, you know, a court proceeding um, to determine whether or not they meet the standards for, you know, sort of in like an, uh, you know, imminent kind of harm to self or others. And, um, you know, if that's found to be the case, then yeah, they're, you know, I think it's up to a year that they're prohibited from owning firearms and, uh, you know, obviously from purchasing them. Again, this is all, uh, let me ask, and I realize that it's different by jurisdiction, but in, the case that, you know, in a situation where it would be in your county, because you know what the practices and policies are there, um, what would happen since it's only for a year? What, what are the steps that, that it gets reported to and how does it come back off? And is there a review after a year, et cetera? Right. So, yeah, it's very dependent. So what happens is, again, um, you know, in the instance of, let's say, a social media post, um, someone has to report that someone, you know, who's concerned, um, you know, taking let's say someone posts uh, something on on Facebook that suggests, you know, 
self-harm even like let's mm-hmm. take it outside of the kind of you know kind of more homicidal range but just there and and someone reports and saying like hey you know this this person is i know this person has guns um you know let's say it's a friend a family member um this person is posting stuff that's very concerning you know go do a mental i you know like you to do a mental wellness check or whatever sure they can go do that and then if the person seems like they are you know if they're if they're threatening in a way of harm to themselves or others, um, then that's when that process starts. In terms of the what happens is that the guns are seized um, for you know a period of time, and then at the end of that period of time, the guns are kept um, at least you know in our jurisdiction um, you know by the sheriff's office. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the person at the end of that period has to you know basically undertake procedures to get them back it's not like at the end of the year you know there's a it you know, just goes off a, the record right and the guns just sort of are you know are ferried back there's yeah. a process but um but yeah it's you know it obviously it's kind of it's complicated it's very context specific but that's the broad strokes of how that works at least uh you know in new york state um and i think i think probably it's somewhere you know somewhat similar in other states, but um, yeah, it, it, it's easy to think about this stuff in retrospect, um, you know. But one one of the things is these posts, you know, on let's say Gab or Twitter or something. If you don't know where someone lives, or or you know, if you if you if they're just posting anonymously, you know, on these sites, the problem is you need to report it locally. That's when these things happen is someone on Facebook makes a post and a friend of theirs sees it and reports it. If there's just some lone wolf crazy person, um, it's very hard to pin down where they are, who they are, how to actually, you know, combat, you know, even if someone makes these kind of statements that are extremely um, inflammatory and really, you know, obviously violent, um, it's not as easy when they're posting on Gab or on Twitter. Yeah. You know, we should honestly have somebody who is an expert in in dealing with these kinds of situations, especially online with all the anonymity that goes on with people in social media environments. Because I know that we've both had friends in common who have been harassed by people online and they just cre- keep creating other accounts and mm-hmm. continuing that harassment and it becomes so frustrating and people want to pull their hair out trying to just get somebody to stop bothering them and you know i th- i think a lot of people can be pushed to an edge fairly easily uh in this day and age and it's just one of those things we should take up uh, even more, I think, with with uh, a resource to help people figure out how to navigate those waters. Well, and it's also, I mean, one of the things that's been dispiriting is what it really requires is adults in the room at these social media sites mm-hmm. because you have to have someone there who, let's say, there is someone who's violent, who's, who expresses violent ideology on on a on a site. Um, you have to be able to report it and have there be a reporting structure that actually pays attention to these things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what you see with things like Twitter and, you know, Elon Musk basically kind of dismantling all of the 
you know, the safeguards and kind of uh, and literally just human resources that were dedicated to that type of stuff yeah is you have a free-for-all and you have a situation where there's no way to get you know the only way to really combat something like even you know like a stalker or like a crazy person uh you know harassing online is to be able to reach that company have them check the ip records and start to build a you know, a dossier of who this person is. Yeah. When you have basically someone like Elon Musk saying, you know, go at it, folks, there's no, yeah, and going there's to really take, very little recourse. And take away the ability to even block those people. Right. I that's mean, a new, that's a new thing that just was thrown out there, you know, and it's just, well, you know, query whether or not that will happen. Elon Musk is known for just saying random shit and, you know, who knows, but just, you can think of about a hundred reasons why that's stupid, um, you know. And uh, I can think but, of a thousand of why yeah. Musk is stupid. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to continue with more of the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy. I am Johnny Mac, and when we continue, we're going to talk about author, educator, speaker, and advocate, and compassionate DIY expert. Mercury Stardust is in our sights, and we'll talk about her and her new book coming out as we continue. And welcome your phone calls at 760-677-0111. Thanks for being with us. You think these guys aren't interesting enough without you joining the show? You're probably right. 760-677-0111. That's 760-677-0111. Operators are standing by right now. Probably. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the happy hour. Um, and yeah, a little bit of a pivot in terms of uh, tone. Uh, this is a I'm this is a story that I'm really excited about and really happy about. Um, so I've been following Mercury Stardust on Instagram for a while now. Um, I'm a big fan. Uh, Mercury Stardust is a uh, she calls herself a trans handy ma'am. Um, and what she does is she she works as a professional, um, you know, handy person. Uh, and does repairs and fixes and you know all that kind of stuff um yes ma'am and exactly and uh and also you know advocates very uh sweetly and and openly and honestly about being trans um and does so with a smile and uh you know a sort of great sense of humor and a lot of heart and um, she has a book that she's been, you know, she worked on for a while that is out this week. And she's actually in the middle of a book tour uh, across the U.S., going to actually a lot of places that are not the most hospitable to LGBTQ folk, but kind of made a point to really try to traverse the whole country and, you know, meet people at independent bookstores uh, and kind of represent the trans community and, and you know, uh, LGBTQ folks generally. Um so the name of the book is Safe and Sound, A Renter-Friendly Guide to Home Repair. And it's basically a book for, you know, whether renters or, or just 
clueless owners like myself um, on how to do things, you know, plump, you know, basic plumbing, drywall, you know, uh, how to how to adjust a hinge, you know, all the kind of just stuff that happens um, when you are in, living in a place for a while and you need to fix stuff. And I just think it's such a great idea for a book. And um, and especially, you know, I love um, I think just from like an economic equity kind of thing. I love that it's a quote renter friendly guide to home repair because I remember, <clears throat> you know, living in apartments and stuff in L.A. and in New York. And um, you know, you're basically a lot of times at the mercy of a sort of derelict superintendent who kind of might or might not come and help you. And so the idea of a book that kind of can, uh, uh, can help people navigate that stuff, uh, in a safe and fun and, you know, uh, com you know, sort of constructive way. I think this is so awesome. I'm really excited for this book. Yeah, and uh, boy, she gets all over the place because uh, tonight as we do the show live, she's in Houston, and tomorrow night she's going to be in Decatur, Georgia on the 25th of August. Uh, over the weekend on Saturday, she's going to be in Littleton, Colorado, and also in yep. Seattle, Washington on Sunday. And on Tuesday, she'll be in San Francisco, Chicago on Wednesday, and in Lowell, Michigan on Thursday. So she's got a lot of stuff going on on this book tour. And so if you are in one of those cities and maybe want to check her out, her website is mercurystardust.com. And right at the top, you can uh, click on the link to her book tour, but all sorts of other material there. And you can access all of her social media uh, accounts on uh, uh Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and mm -hmm. that other one I don't usually like to promote, but yeah, I so many people do uh, go to TikTok now, so yeah, so um, but yeah, and I just I just got an incoming message from um, one of our uh, listeners that uh, they actually got their copy of the book already, um, yeah. so. Uh, yeah, very exciting. Definitely uh, support support Mercury Stardust if 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 it's a book that might be interesting to you at all. And I think anyone who, uh, whether an owner or a renter, um, you know, we could all use a little bit of um, guidance. Uh, would love to to support the community and great books and great people. So um, yeah, I think that's a cool thing. And, and I I definitely I've I've had some moments recently where I'm like. Mm, I could really use that book right about now because I, there's there's just some some maintenance issues that I have no idea what to do about them. Such as, <laughs> well, there's one that might be outside of the scope of the book, but uh, but I was laying in bed the other night and there was a kind of freak storm. Is a super rainy and windy, and there's the sound of rain on the on the roof, right? You know, yeah. just the kind of pitter patter of rain on the roof, right? And then there's the sound of a slow, specific, deliberate drip on the ceiling of your room, which suggests that water has gotten from the roof down into the attic and is actually dripping on the ceiling of your room. Uh huh. And I was like, oh boy. I don't like to start the sound waiting of that. for the spot to show up on your ceiling. 
Exactly. Exactly. You know? I, right. I, I know I had that happen. The, the sort of telltale bloom of kind of rusty color on the white. Um, oh, no. yeah. So I, that, but yeah, and that, and then, you know, my shower, um, my shower has de- decreased in pressure precipitously over the past month or so. So I feel like that's like a, a total example of something that I'm sure Mercury could help out with. Well, obviously, this would not be the week or two to have her on the show because I'm sure she's quite busy with her tour. But perhaps we should have her on and maybe even open it up to taking some calls uh, down the road with uh, with her to talk with our listeners. So, Oh, my God, I'd love that. Yeah, yeah. that's a great idea. Anyway, she is a professional home maintenance technician and uh, performer and activist. And, uh, you know, I love this uh, designation that she has herself called a trans handy ma'am. So we'll uh, invite her to come on the show. Maybe uh, we can get her on after the first of the year uh, and start off the new year with some, some tips on doing home repair stuff with her. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got a lot more to come your way and hope that you'll hang out with us. We're going to pause for just a quick news update for our listeners who are tuning in live. But we've got one of those file it under fuck around and find out what happens to you. Stories coming up after the news. A trans woman sentenced to eight and a half years in prison. And now she's going to the transphobes in Congress and asking if they can help her make sure that she goes to a women's prison. Oh, brother. once a week but the happy hour is always available on demand as a podcast wherever you prefer to get them the hosts will tell you where if you ask nicely i gotta tell you i am generally sympathetic to these kinds of issues but it's kind of hard not to look at it with the shoe on the other foot this time around Tell us what's up, Richie. So this is an interesting one. Um, so Jessica Watkins, who is a trans woman, uh, was recently sentenced to eight and a half years in prison. And you may be wondering, well, whoa, why? The answer is Jessica Watkins was a ringleader in January 6th. Got caught, got put through the legal process and was sentenced to eight and a half years in prison. Uh, and she was, you know, I think tied up with Oath Keepers, I think, or Proud Boys or just some, one of these groups and was actually pretty, uh, you know, like kind of a manager of, you know, like a cell and was pretty active in participating in getting people involved in, in January 6th. And I think she was, she stormed the Senate. She's part of the people that stormed the Senate. And uh, you know, was not just swept up in this, but was active. So, yeah, I think Watkins, she was involved with the um, Oath Keepers, if I'm not Oath mistaken. Keepers, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Oath Keepers. And, um, and she's now worried that she will be s- sent to a men's prison. Um, 
you know, as a trans woman. Um, and uh, she is asking her besties, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, and Jim Jordan, uh, t- via, you know, Twitter and various social media channels, asking them to pressure Federal Bureau of Prisons to put her in a woman's prison. Now, if you don't know already, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, and Jim Jordan happen to be three of the most vociferously transphobic, bigoted people, you know, in government as it currently stands. Um, and it's just crazy to me that someone who um, is kind of part of this movement is, a, I mean, that a trans woman, A, would be kind of actively involved in like Oath Keeper level management of insurrection in support of people who are fundamentally openly and and stridently vocal about their hatred of trans people. Like, how do you wrap your brain around that? I can't. And before you go thinking, well, maybe she's learning her lesson, uh, keep in mind that her <laughs> her account with X, formerly noted known as Twitter, is J6SSICA Watkins. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Oh. <laughs> J6, of course, being January 6th. Right. But instead of JE, you know, for the Jessica, yeah. It, it. I'm like, come on. I mean, you don't even show any remorse. And look, I don't think that anybody who's trans should have to be put in a correctional facility that is not their gender that they identify as. But when you have to turn to ask for help from a couple of the, or three of the biggest homophobes and transphobes on Capitol Hill, I mean, it's it's really a matter of, you know, be careful what you do and what you ask for. Like, the way to stay out of a man's prison would probably have been to start with by having not done any of these things. Well, there's also just, I mean, there's this kind of schadenfreude aspect to it because the the reason why there might be a situation where someone whose gender identity is, at, you know, as a woman, a, you know, a trans woman who, you know, commits a crime and needs to go to, you know, a correctional facility, the people who are advocating for that person to have to go to a men's prison are the people that she is supportive of. If you were supportive of, you know, progressive Democrats, you would be in a different spot because progressive Democrats aren't in the business of saying that trans women should go to men's prisons. It's people like Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, and Marjorie Taylor Greene and the whole host and, and you know, down the line, um, the, the folks that that are aligned with Oath Keepers with and January 6th. If she was if she was to request this from the administration, uh, which has been one of the few administrations to have any sort of uh, positive relationship with the trans community, she might have more success in getting somebody there to, you know, put their foot down on the neck of somebody in the Department of Justice, which runs the Federal Bureau of Prisons. 
But when you but look, she's screwed because yeah. she doesn't think that they're legitimately in power. I understand that. <laughs> and you look at you look at like one of the tweets was this call to action tweet that she sent out, and her hashtags on this are hashtag pardon Jessica Watkins and hashtag J six lives matter. <laughs> I don't care what happens to her. Yeah, pretty recalcitrant. You know, yeah. uh, another story um, this week that uh, it, it's sort of a little bit of a flip side, but it, it's kind of it all is, is sort of trafficking the same world in a weird way. Um, a New Mexico man uh, called a U.S. congresswoman from Texas and threatened to kill her because she was, quote, secretly a satanic transgender pedophile. Um, and the exact quote, um, is, Hey, Congresswoman's name redacted. You're a man. It's official. You're literally a tranny and a pedophile. And I'm going to put a bullet in your fucking face. Uh, the, this, uh, person's names or this person's voice message said, called them a motherfucking satanic cocksucking son of a whore. And, uh, turns wow. out, of course, this guy is a QAnon guy. Um, of course. And again, uh, you know, what what it kind of points out is you have these, you know, and it goes back to the Laurel Carlton uh, story, too. Just this these extremely radicalized people um, who are just living in a in a fantasy world, whether it's Jessica Watkins, who thinks that T Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates are going to get her, you know, uh, put into a woman's prison or someone who legitimately thinks that a cis woman congressperson is a trans person be and you know and threatens to kill them it's just it's just like kind of the the rhetoric is so out of control and and i think some people uh do it to just stoke i think some people just stoke it because they think it's fun but there's real stakes there's real life stakes that happen here yeah um <sighs> I don't know. There were a couple of different stories here around this because uh, one talks about the Texas congresswoman, but then there's also uh, there's also a, another one with uh, Representative Santos, who of course is a nut job. But oh yeah, the the threat to to George Santos. Yeah, that one didn't fit into my narrative so cleanly, so I omitted that from this segment. But you're yeah. right, yes. <laughs> in in his case, a gay rights activist named Frank Stanzione uh, called his main phone line on January 29th of this year and left a voice message referring to Santos as a fat fucking piece of shit faggot. Um, he said, you better watch your motherfucking back because I'm going to bash your motherfucking faggot head in with a bat until your brains are splattered across the fucking wall. You lying, disgusting, disgraceful motherfucking faggot piece of shit. You're going to get fucking murdered, you goddamn lying piece of garbage. Watch your back, you fat, ugly piece of shit. You and your husband are dead. Now, as right, much as yeah. as much as... I don't disagree that he is a POS. Um, you know, when people make these kinds of calls to, you know, federally elected officials, even if they've used, uh, you know, a, 
a plethora of lies to get to where they are. Um, there needs to be action taken. And in that case, yeah, Santos yeah. did report it to the U.S. Capitol Police Threat Assessment Session, and investigators found that the call originated from a location in Boynton Beach, Florida. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, no, you you make you make a good point. I mean, uh, you know, one of the things that it kind of that that it points to um, in general, these stories kind of all circle on the fact that. Um, when you dehumanize people to such an extent, when you kind of, you know, whether it's the the congresswoman from Texas or George Santos or whatever, when you when politics kind of crosses into complete dehumanization, um, th- that game never there's no winning that game. And it's it's kind of like it's a downward spiral um, and, you know, leads to uh, leads to violence and, you know, violent sort of violence uh in that in that kind of modality i mean it's it's not commensurate it's 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 really just sort of it's just danger and it's just uh there's no there's no good outcome from that type of rhetoric yeah um even if i'm sure i'm sure that that you know that gay man who sent that message he probably felt like he really just you know he just owned the situation but um, you know, uh, he's going to have to deal with the consequences of of making such statements because statements matter. I mean, words matter, especially you know. I remember back in the day, um, you know that that sounds ridiculous, but um, you know when when there was a thought that if you if you said anything violent about especially like the president or the vice president, even on the playground at school, that the secret service would come and arrest you. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, we just, and now it's sort of like, okay, well, you know, on Twitter, you can basically just kind of constantly, you know, threaten absolute, uh, you know, apocalyptic violence on any elected official. And there's seemingly no repercussions. Why so, not? I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. And and I honestly I have to say sometimes I do have to hold my tongue because even though I think that I'm speaking in a matter of you know, not being serious, uh trying to be humorous, uh it doesn't always come out that way and not everybody can read between the lines or know what you know what's in your heart and people should be paying attention when people say things that they're going to bring harm upon somebody because they don't agree with them yeah 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 and uh but yeah and so you know i i it's there's a lot of i think uh you know the the kind of increasing polarization i think there's a lot of um a lot of blame to be placed on the kind of fever swamp right um but then you have countervailing folks that kind of pick up that energy and throw it back from the left you know i again i don't think with any kind of regular the regularity and constancy that you hear it from the q and side from the you know from the, the literally from the marjorie taylor greens or you know themselves um you know who kind of are always 
saber rattling against you know people on the left. But yeah, it, you know it, it it happens everywhere. But I you know I I think a lot of the the kind of effect of um, of the right's dehumanization, you know, sort of the delegitimizing of people in power, delegitimizing com- whole communities has, you know, sort of a, a negative effect that, that resounds in other places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if people would just not own what others say that gets them so worked up, I mean, I'm guilty of that too. Uh, you get tired of, after a while of hearing all the nonsense and you just you want to explode. But... Um, you know, better off to just walk away from a lot of that stuff than to get dragged into it. And I mean, that's why I think a lot of people have been backing off or, you know, dis- disconnecting from their social media accounts because they're just so sick and tired of seeing all that nonsense. We're going to continue with more of the GBC Happy Hour. And when we do, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, apparently. Uh, techniques that the United States and the Ukraine are going to use with neuro-linguistic programming and brainwashing to uh, turn the UK, the pardon me, the Ukraine soldiers gay. This sounds like fun. Stay with us. Turn that frown upside down. It's the happy hour on GBC. Welcome back to the happy hour. Hello. Hope your Thursday night's going well. Um, or whatever morning, afternoon, or evening uh, you hear this if you're on the podcast version. But um, yes, so this is this story. Um, there's not much to it, but I just thought it was so funny. Um, I just kind of had to, I thought we just had to talk about it. So uh, recently on Russian television, uh, Sergei Markov, who is a former advisor to Vladimir Putin, uh, made claims that Ukraine's military um, will become like the ancient Spartans, unified through gay sex. And um, he further pontificated that the U.S. and Ukraine... Uh, will use uh, neuro-linguistic programming and brainwashing techniques to turn Ukraine soldiers gay against their will. And somehow, by turning them gay, will make them then also sort of like these superhuman, you know, homo soldiers that are going to, you know, just run roughshod and, you know, uh, ostensibly uh, become this you know, indomitable force that Russia will have to contend with. Can I just um, interject one thing about this? I think that it's funny because this story is about this guy who was, you know, a right-hand man to Vladimir Putin, and his name is Sergei. 
So Sergei <laughs> Markov is espousing this. I I don't know. You know, it takes one to know one, I always believed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like there's there's just, like, it's both funny and it's also just kind of like one of these obvious kind uh, sort of um, – what do you call it? Demoralization kind of attempts, like a sad attempt to demoralize, you know, Ukrainians by thinking that somehow like their soldiers are going to be gayified, you know, with the U.S.'s intervention. It's just, it's just goofy. Um, I'm fine with that. I like a guy in uniform. Well, that's what I was going to say is if there were, if there were truly um, any kind of linguistic programming or brainwashing techniques to turn people gay, the gays would be on that already. They would be like focusing the gay laser on, you know, on like the, on West Point or whatever. (laughs) I mean, what do you think I live like halfway between 29 Palms and San Diego? You know, it's the tens of thousands of members of the United States Marine Corps and Navy that, you know, keep me in check. Yeah. Yeah. It's also funny because I like it, their top guns. Uh, <laughs> and their bottom guns. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um but you know, it's uh it's also weird though because it suggests that there's some kind of superpower to like gayness that like if you turn people gay, they will just become this like unstoppable force. And there, maybe there's something kind of there. I mean, you know, I was talking recently with um, with someone, uh, and they, you know, they were talking about doing home uh, like DIY projects, and they were like, "Yeah, you know, I just have that, um, you know, the, uh, you know, the true belief that as a homosexual, I can do anything that I put my mind to. So I just watch some YouTube videos and I go for it." And one of our listeners just sent me a note. Reminding me that there's also the gay lasers. Gay, oh, a gay laser. Yeah, What's that? where they can apparently shoot lasers from outer space and and turn you gay. So, oh, I didn't know about that. Is that is that one of those um, SpaceX Elon Musk things that they're working on? I don't know. You know, it's it's been a <laughs> while since I've heard about this, but gay lasers. I love the gay lasers. Yeah. Um, you know, but actually, uh, the this story, I when I p- kind of came up with it earlier this week, um, it, I didn't foresee that there would actually be kind of a, a, a real story coming out of this whole situation, which is the uh, apparently um, the shooting down of, and I'm not going to try to say his name, but the head of the Wagner Group um, oh, yeah. was on a plane that was... Uh, that became no longer flying through the air. Right. Somehow. Um, and that story seemed pretty significant. I mean, I, I haven't read a ton on it. I've been kind of a little bit busy at work, but, um, I know, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. Um, that whole story of the Wagner group being so instrumental in so much of, uh, you know, kind of a lot of paramilitary, you know, operations with Russia. And then, uh, yeah, they Mr. just kind Pergosian. of flipped on a dime. What was that? Mr. Pergosian, who is presumed dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, mercenary armies. That stuff always makes me very freaked out. 
um, you know, whether the Wagner Group or, um, you know, or even things like I know it's changed names many times, but like Blackwater, um, which I think was Academy for a while and Canopy. I forget they had a bunch of names, but um, but generally these kind of like mercenary armies for hire always it always makes me very sort of spooked. Yeah. Well, they're going to be in disarray for I think quite a while now. So. Well, you know what they need to do if they're in disarray. They need to get unified through gay sex, obviously. Oh, well, of course. What was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that whole story is kind of is kind of a funny one. Um, but you know, it it kind of goes again though to maybe um, I'll start a new website only only fans of gay uh, military. Oh my god, there's so much of that content online already. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean I film I feel like, you know, probably eighty percent of it is is actually filmed, you know, within a five mile radius of San Diego. Um, you know, yeah. they just because uh, there's so many military installations that they just go waving twenty dollar bills around and eventually uh, you know, yeah. lure some folks back to the back to the uh, hotel I need room. Need some or beer money. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe we should. Maybe we should cover that in a, in a segment. We should do some some recommendations and demerits of our favorite uh, our favorite content. Uh, <laughs> 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 I don't know. Um, but yeah, that story. You know, we didn't have that much to say about it. It was mainly just a funny one. Um, but to go back to kind of all the the rest of the segments we've talked about so far. Um, you know, I do think that uh, it is it is important. I think to not fall into the trap of thinking of getting so binary and so kind of nihilistic and actually kind of like dark hearted that that you think that violence sort of have sort of violent thoughts about people who you disagree with. Um, and that can be tricky because sometimes, you know, if the, what do you do if someone you disagree, you know, someone disagrees with you politically and their disagreement is that they don't think you should exist. Like, you know, if you're a trans person and there are people on the right who literally want to deny you necessary healthcare, gender affirming healthcare. Um, you know, how do you deal with that in a way that is civil? Um, when, you know, there isn't sort of, it's not, it's not a balanced situation. Someone who's in, in power has the ability to actually make your life miserable. I think you have to redefine, I think you have to redefine, uh, that word, you know, in terms of doing something that is okay. Because I don't know that there is an okay answer. Like, yeah, my feeling would be to pop them in the nose. And maybe that's <laughs> not socially acceptable. But, you know, when you tell somebody that you don't have a right to exist, mm-hmm. you know, that that brings us back to the conversations that we've had to have from time to time around people who advocate for laws that, you know, say that they should be able to walk up to us behind our back and, you know, pull, pull the trigger, blow us away. And that's BS right. too. 
I mean, I, I think, though, part of I think a, a complicating just I think a complicating factor about this is what what how do you define, you know, quote the term identity politics? Because I would argue that there are some people um, who are, let's say, gun advocates, Second Amendment absolutists that think of themselves as literally their identity is tied up in being a gun person. And they truly believe that if someone wants even reasonable gun control, that they are trying to extinguish their existence. Like, how do you dis? How do you disabuse someone of the notion that that is a legitimate sort of course of thinking? Yeah. Well, I have friends who fall into that camp, you know, um, and it saddens me because they're smart people, and yet can't have a conversation once you get past the idea that you're advocating for any sort of gun control yeah you know when it's not that you want to take anything away from people who are law-abiding gun owners but the fact is is that we the people in our general population do not need to have killing machines you know weapons of war sure there's reasonable for sport, game, and for protection, but do we really need to have rifles that, you know, can shoot off, you know, tens of dozens of rounds in a, in a minute? I don't think so. We're going to come back in hour number two, and we're going to talk about some stuff going on in Worcester, Massachusetts, and Walnut Creek, California. So stay along with us. This is the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy and Johnny Mack. Live from across America, heard around the globe, and recorded for posterity. It's the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy, Chick Maxson, and Johnny Mack. Okay, Queens. Set down the booze and pull yourselves up to the mic again. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit of a surf vibe. Yeah, yeah, kind of, you know, the, the last throws of summer. Uh, yeah, going to get my longboard and go out there, yeah. um, catch some waves. Um, Did you catch so, some waves last week? What was that? You were going to the beach last week, weren't you? Oh, you know, I was going to go to the beach, but we got we got kind of a late start, and so the beach didn't happen for me. My friends did end up going to the beach, um, but I sadly was not able to get out there. But oh, I am going to the beach um, in mid-September. I'm pretty excited about I'm going to P-Town for a week. Um, hey, and that reminds me, we need to let people know that we're not going to be on on September the 7th. So there will not be a new show that week. Um, we'll be here next week just ahead of the Labor Day holiday. Yep. And But the following week, uh, both Richie and myself are going to be away. And also, we didn't mention this earlier, but the reason you have not heard from our... Um, uh, silent minority uh, <laughs> Chick Maxson tonight is because he had a work-related matter that he is taking care of and couldn't make it back 
to be on the air with us in time. So we wish him well, but uh, hopefully we'll hear from him at some point next week. We do have an upcoming event that we're going to be doing on this show, and I want to just give a quick preview of it. Um, I'm the only one, I guess, who at this point has received my package in the mail from... Uh, Actually, it's manufactured in Ukraine, but it's distributed from Lithuania. And it is dick-flavored chips. So we're going to be reviewing these, each of us. I have not tried them yet. I'm not going to open mine up until uh, Richie and Chick have theirs so that we can do this. But that should be a, a fun little foodie uh conversation that we'll have coming up hopefully in the next few weeks so <laughs> you guys got to get on getting yours ordered and, and getting them here i think it took me about two and a half three weeks to receive mine yeah that should be that should be a fun little taste test they for sure. they do have pussy flavored chips too but i just couldn't yeah well leave that up to to other uh consumers yeah <laughs> Um, I was concerned yeah. that they might taste like tuna fish. And as you know, I like seafood, but not tuna. Yeah. As speaking of which, I'm actually going to have some, I'm going to have salmon for dinner oh, nice. uh, after the show is recorded. <laughs> um, nice. Thursday nights are my late dinner nights because of the show. Yeah. Um, but uh, to go back to the subject at hand, um, this story actually really pissed me off. Um as someone who went to a Catholic uh, high school. Um, Dateline, Worcester, the, Massachusetts. Yep, Dateline, Worcester, Mass. Uh, the diocese um, there issued a mandate to Catholic schools in the diocese that, um, that they must use pronouns assigned at birth for all students. Um, and, <laughs> you know, again, this is just kind of a mandate coming out of, you know, obviously a pretty... Uh, close-minded, uh, you know, diocese. Um, and it said, you know, in the article um, in the Times that a lot that some of the schools already were kind of doing that, but they just wanted to make very clear if you thought, you know, if your school thought maybe that you would were going to be a little bit, you know, accepting, no way, disallowed. And one of the things that was kind of buried in the article, but I thought really sort of put, you know, sort of, put everything in sharp relief is that the statement also reiterated that quote students may not advocate celebrate or express same-sex attraction in such a way as to cause confusion or distraction in the context of catholic school classes activities or events now when i read that what i think that means is don't you can't talk about being gay because What's how do you define cause confusion or distraction? I mean, so basically that means you can't come out, uh, you can't have a gay student organization, um, you know, you can't. There are a lot of things that you can't do under that kind of rubric. And what's so, what what makes me so upset about it? This is, you know, obviously, you know, you kind of, you know, what you're up, you know, what you're signing up for when you go to a Catholic school you know, in some ways, but not necessarily because I went to a Catholic high school an all boys Catholic high school actually. And, um, the, it was a Jesuit school and the, the Jesuit priests and brothers and were 
absolutely instrumental, and the te- and the lay teachers too, um, many of them, instrumental in me coming out, feeling comfortable in school, um, creating a space, you know, a sort of a general timbre that people were accepted. Um, and, you know, if it weren't for that, I don't, I would have been absolutely delayed, you know, in my development, in coming out, in feeling comfortable with myself, you know, quite extensively. But it was really, it was really in a Catholic, all boys environment that I was made to feel okay with myself. And to think that, you know, this diocese is kind of just coming in and, you know, waving its dick around uh, to make sure that if if a school thought that it might want to be uh, helpful or inclusive, you know, that they dare not, um, fuck them. I mean, it actually really pisses me off. Well, and by dick, you're referring to Bishop Robert J. McManus, uh, who is the bishop of the uh, Catholic Roman Catholic Diocese of Worcester in Massachusetts. And it's interesting, too, to note, Richie, that, I mean— this is where they're talking out of both sides of their collar. The diocese noted that bullying, harassment, or other types of threats against students based on their perceived sexual orientation or gender identity, quote-unquote, will not be tolerated. <laughs> but as right. you just yeah, say, it, you, know, they, they, you know, the students cannot advocate, celebrate, or express uh, the attraction and, and such. I mean— where does their rights as a citizen of the United States take precedence over the rules of some school, some church, and all that? I mean, frankly, I'm not saying that this particular bishop was responsible for any of it, but I'm sure that Worcester had its own issues around the sexual uh, inappropriateness of some priests as seem to have happened in almost every diocese in America and many others around the world. Um, But at this particular diocese, they also had ordered that uh, a predominantly black Catholic middle school take down its Black Lives Matter and pride flags that they had up this past year. And I don't, understand why when you're trying to preach love and tolerance, which is really what I was always taught that the Catholic Church was about when I was growing up in the church, um, why you would do that. I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to embrace certain facets of the community or whatever, but you certainly shouldn't be telling people that you're not going to tolerate them being harassed, but at the same time, or bullied, but at the same time, you're telling them you can't, you can't be yourself. And yeah, and the thing is, what the the where it really kind of becomes obvious what's happening here is actually the you telling a predominantly black school that they have to take down the Black Lives Matter um, flag. Uh, because there's last time I checked, there was no papal encycl you know encyclical about Black Lives Matter. This is just plain old. This is just playing politics. And unfortunately, as we've talked about in previous episodes of the show, um, 
there is such a latitude granted in in our country for this basically get out of jail free card for religion. You just wave the word religion around and you're allowed to opt out of any kind of rules or more, you know, mores or structures. And so, you know, like you said, um, you know, you can fire uh, an employee at a Catholic school for, um, you know, I, I read a story recently, um, you know, for premarital sex, for being gay, for being trans, um, you know, really all of these kind of uh, broadly universally uh, applied rules are just given this complete pass if you're a religious organization. And that becomes especially tricky because relig religious organization is written so broadly. Um, you know, anyone can just, you know, declare themselves a religion. Um, you know, there are all kinds of splinter groups and little itinerant weird quote you know religious organizations that just pop up and you get to basically declare that you're you know exempt from taxes exempt from laws exempt from rules and regulations and there's just broadly been kind of a pass just like okay yep you know you can basically exist in your own sovereign universe um and be as bigoted and as non-taxpaying as you want to be um, and still, but still, you know, advocate for polit you know, political things all the time from the pulpit, um, which just really um, it becomes unmanageable. It's it, the First Amendment jurisprudence has become increasingly unmanageable. There's just no there's no guidelines anymore. It's just basically okay, um, you know, you're religious, uh, you're a religion, or you're a religious organization, and you don't want to, you know, put a wheelchair ramp on your building. Okay, sure. Don't you know? Fine. Um, it's just it's there are just no fetters anymore. It's just it's really it's really alarming. It is, and as I read more from the story about uh, what's been going on there and throughout their history, um, you know, it, it starts really at the top because a lot of people have felt that um, Pope Francis uh, has been uh, much more progressive and has opened the door to there being more understanding and acceptance of LGBTQ people in the Catholic Church. But yet he does things on one side where he says, you know, hom being homosexual isn't a crime. But then when he was asked, uh, or when the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith was asked in 2021 if Catholic clergy members had the authority to bless gay unions, the answer, which Pope Francis had approved, was negative. So, I mean, Rome has got to get its act together here, too. And, and you either are going to take a position where you um, honor human beings being how they are, and love everybody as supposedly your, your, you know, Lord and Savior supposedly did as he walked the earth, or, you know, um, get the f, f out of town. You know, it's like you can't have it all ways. Well, and the thing is, what what you know complicates that further is. You know, Pope Francis is seen as being generally kind of more progressive on these things, but still has bright lines, obviously. But 
Um, a lot of diocesan, especially in in um, the you know in in places like Africa and actually in the U.S. you know too, um, South America, wherever, um, are essentially disca- they discount what certain popes say because they don't believe that that pope is actually legitimate. You know, they think that basically a pope that's too liberal. They're like, yeah, no, we're just kind of skipping that, um, and so. You well, know, that's how John Paul I ended up dead. Yeah, yeah. In it's, record it, time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it becomes really complicated. And, you know, I, I will just throw out there again, um, our number is 760-677-0111. If you have any thoughts on uh, Worcester Mass's diocese or generally, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, Obviously, there are a lot of folks out there um, in the LGBTQ community who have some past, present, or maybe future with the Catholic Church in some regard. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of it's stuff that um, you know we we work past, but still affects us in terms of our identity, and and still actually does have a, a you know capacity to make us feel really agitated. Like when I read the story, I was actually agitated because it threw me right back into high school. And I thought, well, what would my life be like if the Jesuits hadn't basically been, you know, Birkenstock wearing leftists? Um, You know, what if I had gone to a different Catholic high school that was a lot more, you know, in keeping with these sort of diocesan, small-minded ways? Um, My life would have been much worse. Um, And, you know, uh, really it would have rewritten probably a lot of my narrative. So it's stuff that, you know, is, is interesting and I think, um, is worth talking about. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd love, you know, if people want to call in and talk about it, this episode, I do think in the future, um, I do like the idea of us kind of keeping, uh, a really sort of religion on our radar because it, you know, it really does in influence American politics so much right now. Um, and has a capacity to really poison uh, uh, big populations against the LGBTQ community, unfortunately. I have some other good news to share uh, tonight, and that is that we are getting a additional telephone line that will work throughout the week. I did speak with our engineer this afternoon, and in the next few days we will have a a phone line that will go to a voicemail service that you'll be able to leave comments on things that we've talked about or things that you'd like us to bring up on upcoming episodes or include your comments if you don't listen to the program live but hear it on a podcast. And that will be going in place uh, in the next matter of days. And once it is, we'll put that phone number up on the gbc.com webpage, uh, homepage, and you'll be able to call it and access us 24 hours a day seven days a week and leave comments and then we'll uh, include those or respond to things that we get uh, inquiries about on future episodes so hope that i know we've had a lot of feedback from some of our on-demand listeners and so just letting you know that's about to happen and we'll get the number to you very very soon Stay with us because Richie Roy and myself are going to continue in just a few moments. And when we do, we're going to be talking about a community in Northern California in the East Bay that has become 
a senior mecca for gays, lesbians, bisexual, transgender, and questioning folks. Stay with us. It's the Gay BC Happy Hour with Richie, Chick, and Johnny. Fellas. Minus Hello. the chick. We minus chick, that's right, yes. <laughs> we didn't update our uh, little uh, liners in time. But um, this story I'm so excited about because we talked a couple weeks ago about um, – in D.C., there was a groundbreaking for a new um, LGBTQ senior living facility. And I was pretty jazzed about that because I think that this issue is really important. Um, and uh, I read a story. This is on CBS News um, about a retirement community in Walnut Creek, California, called Rossmore that turns out to have kind of become unofficially an LGBTQ senior Mecca. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I don't know. I, I don't have a high regard for a lot of these places. And part of that's because there's one just down the road from me that they've been building recently. And a friend of mine is actually, or was looking at it, but now has decided to go somewhere else because it's basically going to cost them like between seven and nine thousand dollars a month to live mm-hmm. there, and that's ridiculous because how many people have those kinds of resources to live out their last years? Not a lot. That's a fair point. Um, yeah, I mean, I think where where this story is interesting to me is um, that there, you know, that there are, there are places where if you do have an option, you, that there are some choices. I mean, that when you're dealing with people who are, you know, in their late seventies or eighties, nineties, um, currently there are going to be people who are not supportive of, the LGBTQ community right. um, and of people who, and, and I understand your point I, and I totally get it, but I'm, I'm glad that there are places that seem to, um, they're not, you know, this is to be clear, Rossmore is not a gay retirement community. It's a retirement community that uh, has for, you know, whatever reasons organically uh, attracted um, a, a goodly, number of gay folks um you know that in the article they mentioned that there's a you know it's one of these kind of totally self-contained communities where there's like you know nightclubs and shops and a newspaper and you know it's sort of like a self-contained like a community del like a del web you know kind of sun city situation right um but they have an lgbtq alliance group that has over 250 members and I just think that that's cool um, that there, you know, that there are places where that is a reality. And I know it's not a reality for everyone, but um, I do think that I hope that that is a, you know, a trend, that there's going to be more of that happening. Um, and, you know, to your point about, uh, you know, how expensive it is. That's just a generally applicable point. Um, And I think 
Um, oh, no you know, doubt. One, I mean, there's a lot of places, especially like those Brookdale living uh, environments that are all around the United States, and they have varying levels uh, in a lot of those communities where it goes from completely independent living to uh, assisted living to uh, full-time care living, uh, all within one general environment, you know, or, or development. Right. And and I understand the um, the needs for something like that, but I just I get so concerned that you know, like when I looked at this place that this friend of mine was looking at recently uh, near us, it's going to be all LGBT. I just felt like because of that, that they were charging such an enormous amount more of money for a place that was, you know, I wouldn't pay 2500 for that place as an apartment, let alone maybe even more than 1500 And I just feel like when they slap that LGBT thing, you know, on it, that that they're sticking an even higher premium on on that because it's so unusual for people to be able to find an environment where they're going to be all around people like themselves. But then I stop and I think, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, John, you're, <laughs> would you really like to live at a gay bar 24-7? You know, I mean, like, I would want to have a diverse community around me that includes LGBT people. But I don't know if I could live in an environment where it's all a bunch of queens. <laughs> right. But, 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 but to that point, the place in Walnut Creek is actually a mixed community that just happens to have a robust LGBTQ community. Yeah. You know, but, but I, I take your point, but I think, I think where that leads me to is that, um, there needs to be a lot of thought given and, and I think regulations around things like, training standards for home health aides mm -hmm. because you know apart from things like assisted living facilities which are very expensive and again you know it's full-time realistically a lot of people are going to age in place and uh require you know increasing amounts of things like home health aides for medical things and for general care um but when you look at you know some of the just generally some demographic strains and kind of political, you know, ideologies and things of people who are drawn to the home health aid industry. Um, they may be, there may be folks who are doing that work that are not knowledgeable about LGBTQ folks generally and might be not supportive. And if you're relying on, you know, um, uh, home health aides that are, you know, provided, you know, either subsidized or whatever through various means, um, you know, what does it mean to invite someone into your home to help you who doesn't like you? True. We're going to continue with the GBC Happy Hour. And as we do, we're going to ask you to call in and share with us how you would react to people who would go to the length of trying to sue somebody out of business because that business exposed homophobia. Would you stand by and accept that? Probably not. But what would you do in your community if that happened? We'll talk about a situation like that. Once again, uh, another one of those 
bad scenarios with the Rethuglicans uh, increasingly using economic tactics. Stay with us. This is the GBC Happy Hour. Is this show gay enough for you? No? Dial 760-677-0111 and give these guys a piece of your mind. They've got thick skin. Welcome back to the happy hour. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I actually th- thought that the, the segment we just did was interesting. I want to talk about that stuff more going forward because um, I do think that... Um, it's sort of senior uh, issues are actually really um, important um, and aren't really talked about in the gay community very much. So, no, not enough, anyway. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but on a different topic, in a topic that, again, uh, it is the happy hour, but sometimes our topics aren't the happiest. Um, this story uh, kind of fits into uh, the the category that we've recently seen from things like Bud Light, Target, Starbucks, um, that those on the right are increasingly using economic tactics to bully people and companies, uh, you know, basically with their anti LGBTQ stances, um, you know, so we have the boycotts like the the Bud Light Fuhrer, um, although I recently read that apparently Kid Rock was recently pictured or photographed with a Bud Light in hand and peep and the right is melting down because Aww. he was supposed to be, you know, on, you know, he was the, he was one of the sort of ringleaders of this whole situation. But um, I guess, you know, he can't keep himself away from a terrible, terrible beer product. So, um, uh, but here, this is a story that also ties into really freedom of the press. So um, a local um, and uh, a local Republican senator and businessman, and this is um, just want to pull up exactly where where it is. Um, the Wausau Pilot and Review, which is this is Wausau, Wisconsin. Um, this newspaper, a local newspaper, a small local newspaper, you know, just a few people. Um, reporting on local stuff. Uh, they reported that uh, a local Republican senator and businessman and general man about town, Corey Tomchick, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm butchering his name or not, but I don't really care, um, that in a board company board meeting, he called a preteen boy a fag. And I don't really know exactly what the circumstances were where that even came up, but this was reported in the newspaper. And um, so Mr. Tomchek has sued the paper for defamation, even though, you know, they've re- they, they actually had corroborating sources that that said, yes, he did indeed say that. But he's basically kind of just dragging out legal proceedings, um, you know, into appeals and things uh, because he knows uh, as a, you know, a, a prosperous businessman who has deep pockets that the very underfunded and, you know, fledgling paper does not have the funds to kind of keep the legal fight going. And basically can is his goal is, uh, you know, to retaliate against them for reporting on something he actually said to 
run them out of business. Yeah. It's it's a low blow move and honestly I hope that the newspaper is able to withstand and get a judgment against him to pay all of their legal costs. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be I mean I I hope that that can happen. And you know, I think um I don't know what exactly um, what they're doing on this front, but it kind of makes me think too that because there's a there are uh, situations like this that happen where um, smaller media organizations, well, and sometimes not even smaller. Um, you know, uh, Gawker was sued out of existence um, by Hulk Hogan. Um, you know, with the bankrolling of Peter Thiel. Um, Peter Thiel was uh, pissy because because one of Gawker's pages, I think it was Valleywag, had you know basically said critical things about him years ago, and because he's a you know multi billionaire uh, with an axe to grind, waited until the right moment and bankrolled Hulk Hogan's you know lawsuit that eventually bankrupted Gawker and got them taken down. Um, and so you know whether media concerns, large, medium, or small, um, people with deep pockets who really have a vendetta on being reported on, um, this is a thing that they do. And it makes me think that there needs to be not only just media coverage of stuff like this, but, um, you know, I would, I would love for there to be some kind of like media freedom, um, see, this is one of the things that I think that groups like glad should do now the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, is that when you have a situation where somebody in the news media or in some form of mass media distribution is involved with having reported the truth about something that is anti-LGBTQ, that they should have a fund set up or part of what they should help fund is legal defense for these kinds of scenarios. Or even uh, things like Lambda Legal could have a, a media defense fund so that when people are reporting things that are accurate about the LGBT community uh, and then they're gone after in this fashion, that there be some sort of resources to help fight back and to provide them with counsel or, you know, or, you know, some sort of other services. Yeah, I think that's, a, and that's kind of where I was headed is, is I do think that, um, you know, one of the kind of cornerstones of justice is a free media. And, um, and, you know, especially when you think about the LGBTQ community, um, you know, a lot of stuff that happens to our community we find out about through local news because it's small stories. You know, it's 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 a, a gay bashing that happens. You know, in some small town. Um, you know, it's an anti-trans. You know, school board bill. This is stuff that like this is where the gumshoe. You know, uh, type of reporting actually matters. And um, and I do think that uh, that that a lot of individual freedoms really dovetail with media you know, and press freedoms. And so I do think that, that establishing sort of, you know, press freedom funds is a great idea. And I think that, you know, 
in a targeted way, I agree with you exactly that HRC, GLAD, um, Lambda Legal should really be focusing on getting those funds, you know, those funds set up because, you know, where we see this is all, you know, a page out of the Trump playbook, um, you know, back in the day. Yeah. Is um, you know, it's, which came from actually a notorious, you know, closet homosexual Roy Cohn. But sue them into submission. You know, use your money and use the courts to delay to to cost them to basically get the legal meter running and keep it running until they're gone. It's not to say, by the way, that there are people on our side of the fence who don't do wrong because there are there was a website that i think it may even still exist called data lounge and that was trying to use the cover of being a news media service and it really was nothing but a, a hateful rag that spread all kinds of lies and didn't have to uh back up the stuff that they would publish and ended up destroying people, uh, even though it was supposedly an LGBT media source, um, they would destroy people's uh, reputations and such. Uh, and and it doesn't mean that I believe that there should just be a, a universal support for anybody who claims that they are part of the media. I remember going to the uh, 2004 Democratic and Republican conventions in New York and Boston. And it was the first time that they really had created a sizable area in the arenas for bloggers who thought that they were actually, quote unquote, press, but they don't play by the same rules. They don't, you know, have the same standards as abiding by, you know, uh, you know, fairness that somebody uh, who would be a member of the Associated Press, for instance, would would be expected to, you know, to use. And so I do think that it it can also something like that could also be dangerous if you know those resources were to be used to defend uh, inappropriate or you know misbehaving characters who hide behind that that veil of supposedly being the media. But I do think that. that when a news organization that has, you know, done their verifications of sources and stuff like that reports on things that are detrimental to our community and then somebody comes after them that they should be entitled to have some sort of assistance from us as a community to to help back their defense. Yeah, and, and and I think, you know, you bring up a good point, and I think that that point is it kind of goes back to, you know, when I talk about um, the amorphous kind of or the the um, the really broad brush that we paint the word religion with, where you can just say the magic word religion. I don't I'm not advocating that, that you should have a magic word, say I'm a member of the press and, you know, it's a get out of jail free card either. You know, there's there's a there's a, a huge amount of daylight between you know, the Wausau Post and something like Project Veritas with James O'Keefe, which is basically, you know, um, an, uh, a guerrilla political organization that, like you said, doesn't abide by any of the rules of journalistic, you know, sort of guidelines, um, neutrality, anything. Yeah, the um, maxims of journalism. 
Yeah. And so, but the thing is that 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 is all, and that's why, you know, having establishing these kind of funds makes sense because you get to make a choice. I mean, they get to choose who they, they, it's not just money for free. They get to pick who they actually help out. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, that the, you know, protection of a robust press, um, does not mean, uh, an unfettered belief that anyone can stick a press card in their hat and get unfettered access and get to say whatever they want. Um, that's not, that's not exactly, you know, I don't think that's what I'm advocating. I'm just, you know, I think that, um, there are, there should be guidelines in the same way that there should be guidelines for, you know, who is, who gets, uh, you know, tax-free status for being a religion. Right. There should be guidelines. There should be some way of saying, well, you don't count. <laughs> and, it, you know, I, I would say the same thing with press. Um, it's not so much about your cap market capitalization or about how many people you have. I would say there are probably news, quote, news organizations out there, including some that have offices and, you know, across from Rockefeller Center that shouldn't even be considered press. And that there are some like this Wausau Post that are for people that should be considered absolutely, you know, protected press media. Yeah. And for those that don't know um, what's across from Rockefeller Center. Well, it's actually um, part of it at 1211 Avenue of the Americas, but yes. Um, it's, uh, it's a certain news organization associated with a wily uh, animal. Yes. <laughs> we'll put, leave it at that. Yeah. Um, I do think, and, and you know, uh, I, I would save this for our segment on recommendations and demerits, but I'll just say it here. There's a, a an amazing, uh, broadcast, uh, it's available as a podcast. Um, and I've spoken about it before, but, and, uh, um, WNYC, which is a national public radio station in New York has a show called on the media, um, which is hosted by Brooke Gladstone. And um, they do a lot of very essential coverage of of media, of what media is is press, you know, what press media is acting up, what is you know essential, and kind of all the contours of what it means to have a functioning media. It's a great show. And even if you don't think you care about, you know, the state of the press, if you care about the state of democracy and you care about LGBTQ issues, um, which I think are dependent on uh, a free press, you should really check out that show and be listening to it. When, what day of the week is that on or what time of day? Oh, remember? boy. You're asking the tough questions. I listen to it as a podcast. So. Oh, okay. So other people can as well. Yeah. So yeah, just it's, it's check it out from WNYC in New York. Yep. Stay with us. We've got some more of the GBC Happy Hour coming your way. And when we continue, uh, you know that story, Heartstopper, that they made the TV series based on novels? Well, the novels have uh, kicked up some dust in Mississippi. And we're going to talk about that next, right here on the Happy Hour. And your calls are welcome as well at 760-677-0111. Chick Maxson is gone tonight. 
And with Richie Roy, I'm Johnny Mac. Thanks for being with us. once a week but the happy hour is always available on demand as a podcast wherever you prefer to get them the hosts will tell you where if you ask nicely it's porn no it's not (laughs) what are you talking about no it's not um uh so i just realized um i made a mistake which is (laughs) i got some uh some advice which is if there are things that you say, sort of verbal tics often, the thing you're supposed to do is put a little sticky note on your computer that has those words so you remember not to say them. <laughs> um, and my words are um and uh. And I say them quite a lot. And I forgot to put a little sticker on my computer. So How do for you tonight's know episode, this? if I said um and uh a lot, I apologize. I will be putting a sticker on there on the future. How do you know this? Oh, I listen back to the show, I'm, oh, okay. on the podcast every episode. When I was on Sirius Satellite Radio, and I think I've told you the story before, I had a guy who called in one night, and he was insistent that in the last hour I of my program, I had said, you know, like some inordinately large <laughs> number of times, like, you know, 80, 90 times. And I was like, there is no way that I said that that often. And then I went back and listened to the hour and holy smokes. Sure enough, you know, you know, you know, it's like, yep. of course they know. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was all. crazy. And so I, after that, I ended up sticking a note in front of my face for quite some time that had a big, you know, with a circle and a slash through it right in front of me. <laughs> Every night. So every time it was about to come off my tongue, I would stop and think for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Do they really know? Do they really know? (laughs) Yeah. So apologies in advance. I will work on the ums and ahs. But um, but, uh, yeah, so in this final segment for the evening, um, we've got one little story. And then if we have time, we'll do some recommendations or demerits. But this story, to go back to one of our favorite topics, uh, is about libraries. so a Mississippi library has banned the Heartstopper graphic novels from being accessed by teens after some parents had a hissy fit over the series' alleged depiction of, quote, sexual activities, alternate sexualities, alternate gender ideologies, profanity, and violence. Now, uh, just a reality check, the book's depict two young men kissing that's sort of the extent of what goes on in the books they're you know they're young adult graphic novel novels but this description comes from an, a website called booklooks.org which is launched by a member of the moms for liberty and keep an eye out for moms for liberty because this is a you know one of these quote grassroots organizations that has been behind a lot of the school board bullshit and these library bans. Remember um, recently and we I were talking about 
what was going on in Temecula, California, which is about halfway between me and San Diego. And it mm. was it was them there as well that with all that stuff with the school board. Yeah. And and I have to say, Moms for Liberty, the name just raises my hackles because uh, it, it has everything there. Whenever there's the it reminds me of the Sarah Palin mama bear, just this mama bear. And it all harkens back. I think about the capacity for conservative women to be agents of like radical reactionariness. Like it takes me back to Phyllis Schlafly, you know, in, you know, Eagle forum shit. Yeah. Um, and so these moms for Liberty, it just keep an eye out. Um, pay attention to them because they're, they're not there. They are being, I, I have to think they're astroturfed. I have to think they're funded by someone, whether it's the Cokes or whoever they are. Or and, whomever. and it's also a matter of, they're the organization, one of the biggest organizations in the country right now that is getting people uh, to run for and helping them get elected to school boards. Yeah. And so, um, I would love, I would love in my perfect world for there to be a countervailing progressive version of this because obviously these playbooks work, these kind of astroturfed quote grassroots organizations from the right. I would love for that to be from the left, you know, um, parents for justice, <laughs> you know, whatever, um, that advocates for library freedom for for trans children to be uh you know accepted and i think i think there's a, a big space for that stuff to happen because a lot of times you know with especially with things like trans you know trans kids we, a lot of the weight falls on their parents on on accepting parents to do the work and th there needs to be more of an infrastructure of supportive people who agree, who are going to get out there, who are going to get to the school board meetings, who are going to speak up and advocate um, and, you know, make make the case that there are a lot of people out there. You know, there's the, 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 the idea of a silent majority. And it's almost like the silent majority has flipped that the silent majority is actually decent-minded, caring people who want a who want a world where people are happy and supported and are allowed to live their lives. But we have this vocal, virulent, radicalized, terroristic minority who are just running roughshod and shredding civic, you know, civic um, kind of no norms. And, uh, you know, with bankrolled and supported by nefarious right wing groups, um, I would just love for there to be a ballast, you know, a, a bulwark against that. Um, and yeah. so that's that's my recommendation that for this week is that we need to kind of get get organized and really start to fight the fights that are actually happening and not just pay attention to, you know, watching clips of uh, Trump getting booked in Georgia, but actually to, to work on getting to the school board meetings. Let me tell you, I, um, 
it's not just about the LGBTQ stuff that these people are doing. You know, it's a mostly older white based group. In fact, uh, the story that Richie was talking about this from talks about the fact that um, they were not really clear on uh, how many of these people that are involved with this actually had teenaged or younger children uh, that were in school. And the fact of the matter is, is they're trying to block things that just don't go in, you know, alignment with their worldview. They also banned books or list them on their website, booklooks.org, the book uh, The Hate You Give, which addresses systemic racism and police Mm -hmm. brutality. So, um, you know, they say it contains inflammatory racial commentary, excessive frequent profanity, and inexplicit sexual activities. Well, you know... Who are they to set the scale for uh, public morality in America? They have the right to not have their children look at these things, but do they have the right to take them away from your children? And, you know, that's that's what we have to start asking ourselves. And we're going to need to start showing up in more power at the polls uh, in terms of getting people in our community elected school boards and such to be a balance to these kinds of wackadoodles who, who, who are out there. So I, I hope that people who are upset by these things will actually come forward and, uh, and that they will, uh, you know, fight against the right on these things. I also want to well, note one, one other thing before we get out of here tonight, and that was that, um, you know, when the Republicans had their presidential debate this week, uh, as Richie mentioned at the start of the show, uh, there was one particular person who was not present for that, but instead he had pre-recorded a interview with a former employee of that um Wiley Animal uh, Network. <laughs> and uh, now he has a show that was called um, Tucker on Twitter. And sure enough, they did exactly what I was expecting them to do with the change of that brand. And it's now called Tucker on X. And I thought for the first time ever, he has a show that actually might be honestly the truth because this guy is on drugs. <laughs> yeah but you know i mean yeah and just the, that that whole media landscape with with the former president is just a whole thing but we, we will come back to these subjects uh next week because i i want to push back on something that you said earlier about people being able to opt out of their kids learning things and i'm like mm, not so fast but we'll do that one next time Stay with us for another great show coming up next Thursday. Be sure to tell your friends about our live programs available at gbc.com at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you can't catch us then live, you're always welcome to listen on demand from a lot of the major podcasting portals or directly from gbc.com. 
for Richie Roy and Chick Maxson, I'm Johnny Mack, and may your shadow fall in pleasant places. Have a nice week. Thank you.